0: Hi everybody, and welcome to the Renew Your Mind podcast. I'm your host, business and mindset coach, Kieran Lenahan. I'm excited that you're here with me this week. Now, if you've been listening for a bit, you'll notice that today's intro music is a little bit different. It's because I switched hosting platforms for the podcast and the old music was only available on the previous platform. So this is what you can expect to hear moving forward. I hope you like it. If you're joining today for the first time, Or you run a service based business and you haven't listened to episode seven about selling and marketing during the holidays, I recommend you go back and listen to that after you've listened to today's episode. You don't have to listen to that as a prerequisite to be here today, but I do recommend it. Today, we're kicking off a two part series about ideal clients. And I decided to break this into two parts for a couple of reasons. And there's really a lot I wanna share here. First, I want to contextualize this concept of the ideal client with where we've been in some of our previous episodes. So we've already talked about two of the foundational questions that I help my clients answer. And those are, who are you becoming? Question number one. And we talked about that in episodes five and six. And what are your goals? What is the impact and what are the results that you're hoping to create in the world? And we talked about that in depth in episode two. Now, Today, we're getting into one of the other important questions, which is, who do you serve? Who are your ideal clients? And this is important to answer from a strategic perspective. It's actually quite simple. And like I said, this is strategy if you just answer the questions. But answering the question of who do you serve and who are your ideal clients won't mean much unless it's accompanied by a strong mindset, which is, why we're gonna dive into more of mindset, a little bit of strategy, but more of mindset in part two of this series next week. So last week, I actually put up a poll on my Instagram asking what topic you would like an episode on next, and over 70% of you said ideal client. So ask and you shall receive. So here we go. Before jumping in, I'm actually going to just share, I'm making a really big assumption in this series, and here's what that assumption is. It's that you want to run a business that you love and enjoy running, working with people you love and enjoy working with. For this series, I am assuming that you want a business that you actually enjoy running and you want to work with a bunch of people that you truly enjoy working with. If that's not you, I'm not sure the next few episodes will apply to you, but for everybody else, we're gonna keep going. Today in part one, we're talking about How if you want a business that you love and deeply enjoy, you need to know who your ideal client is. We talk a lot about mindset and strategy on the podcast. Today's episode, we're going to lean more into the strategy side of things. Next week, in part two, we're talking about what do you do once you know who your ideal client is. Part two is going to be a great example of where strategy and mindset go hand in hand and where Strategy is necessary, but not sufficient for you reaching the goals that you have for your business. So here's today's roadmap. We're going to define what an ideal client is pretty simply. We'll ground in scripture. And I want to get into some of the context and why you need to know who your ideal client is. Why why does that matter? Then we'll help you figure out how do you even know if you are clear on your ideal client or not? And then we'll wrap up with some ways to gain more clarity on who your ideal client is. So first, let's start with the basic question. What do we mean when we say ideal client? Now, there are a lot of other phrases and words and different type of language that different people will put to it. But here are some other phrases that are often associated with what we're talking about today. Niche or niche, depending on which side of the argument you land on. Ideal avatar, customer avatar, customer persona target market, and there's five or seven other ones that are pretty common. But that's generally what we're talking about here. It has to do with this idea of who is it that you're trying to reach and serve with your services. So let's keep it really simple. Your ideal client is the kind of person who, if you could choose to have a client roster full of these people, you would do it in a heartbeat and you would be running a dream business. So an ideal client is somebody who you would love to work with. Somebody for whom your services are the perfect solution to their problems and you are the perfect provider of those solutions for them. And lastly, an ideal client is someone who wants to pay you money to help them solve their problem. If they don't want to pay or they think it's too expensive, that's not an ideal client. Ideal clients want to pay you your price to help them solve their problem. Now, with that definition out of the way, let's ground ourselves in scripture. And today I want to pull from 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 8 and 9. And the context here is that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth regarding gifts of the Spirit. And in this passage... He's primarily contrasting speaking in tongues with prophesying. And he says that anyone who speaks in tongues doesn't speak to people, but speaks to God, unless there's somebody there doing the work of interpreting it for the people. And so the Corinthian church was largely made up of Gentile or non-Jewish converts. So people with very little background in the faith, they did not grow up Jewish. They don't have that cultural background that Jesus came out of. And while Paul is not talking about marketing a business in the 21st century, I think the principle that he's pointing to certainly applies to the work that we do. And so here's what it says in verses eight and nine. Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. And I think one of the principles that Paul's trying to communicate to the church in Corinth is this. Know who you're talking to. Know your audience, right? You've heard that phrase. Know your audience. Which leads us right into the why. Why is understanding and knowing who your ideal client important? Why is this something that we need to talk about? It's because who you're talking to matters and it matters deeply the effectiveness and the impact of the words that you say and the actions that you take will largely be shaped by who it is that you're talking to. And you actually see this all throughout scripture where you see that some things are written to a Jewish audience and other things are written to a Gentile audience. The way that the gospel of Luke is written is written more for a Gentile audience. The way that the gospel of Mark is written is more catered to a Jewish audience. So we see this principle playing out in scripture, and we see it playing out in our lives as well. I think I've made a few references to The Office here before, but there's this one episode where Michael Scott doesn't understand something related to budgeting, and so he asks Oscar, the accountant, to explain it to him like he's five. And Oscar explains basically how if you don't use your full budget for something this year, you lose it next year when corporate makes decisions about budgets, right? which is a very real thing, as I'm sure my fellow corporate dropouts would agree. If you're explaining something to a five-year-old, you're going to communicate it differently than if you're speaking to a 35-year-old, right? And it's it's funny, a few weeks ago, I was actually trying to help my parents set up their printer for the first time. And we were doing this via FaceTime. And I love my parents. And mom, if, if you're listening to this, I love you. This is it's just an example that came to mind and I wanted to share. But I had to explain things very differently to them compared to if I were to be explaining something like that to my wife or to my younger sister, right? You have to know your audience. Another example, a neurosurgeon isn't going to talk to their patient in the same way that they would talk to other neurosurgeons, right? If they're talking to a patient, they're going to speak in layman's terms. They're going to speak in terms that can be understood by the average person who hasn't devoted their life to studying neuroscience, Neurosurgeons basically speak a different language. They have a different level of understanding and depth of knowledge and vocabulary that would only make sense to other neurosurgeons. One more example. Have you ever been having a conversation with a friend about a topic that you both know a lot about and you're getting really into the details of it? It could be a a new show that you two watch that you're really excited about discussing or a sports game or something like that. And then another friend of yours overhears the excitement and walks over and asks about it, but you guys know that they're not into that same thing. And so when you're explaining it, you change the way that you explain what you're talking about to that person, right? It's because you know your audience, you know that they have a different context and different level of understanding of what it is that you're talking about. And so... This same principle of knowing your audience in these normal everyday situations and social situations, the same thing applies when it comes to your business. You need to know who you're talking to so that you can make the message as applicable and relevant and practical as possible to the people that you're trying to serve and reach. Now, remember our assumption that we made at the beginning of this episode. You want a business full of clients that you love and enjoy working with. You can't market effectively if you don't actually know who you're talking to. And you won't create a business full of ideal clients if you don't know who they are. So guess what? If you aren't crystal clear on who you're talking to in your marketing, how do you think the people in your audience, the people who know you and follow you feel? And if people in your audience aren't clear on who you help, it makes it hard for them to do two things. One, it makes it hard for them to know if they're an ideal client for you, or if you're the person that they want to hire. And two, it makes it really hard for them to know if they should refer somebody to you, if they come across somebody who has a need for your services. When you are not clear on who you're talking to, you write and talk and market and record videos that are unclear about who you're talking to. And when you're unclear, So are the people who are listening to you. And so, again, super important that not only that you know who you're talking to, but that you effectively talk to them. Said another way, knowing who your ideal client is, is necessary but not sufficient to create a business full of ideal clients. So step one is knowing who they are, and you need that, but that's not going to be enough. Step two is marketing to them effectively. And that's why we're going to dive into that part two next week. So that's why this ideal client conversation is an important one for us to have. Now, my guess is that if you don't know who your ideal client is, you're, you might be aware of it by now, but just in case I want to give you some indicators that you might not know who your ideal client is. So when it comes to writing copy or recording a video or doing any form of marketing, you might not know what to say or talk about. Maybe you don't use specific examples in your marketing. Maybe you feel like you're talking about random things that you're not even sure are helpful. It might feel like you're talking to everybody and nobody at the same time. Before you hit post or send, you question if it's even worth putting out there. Is this even going to help somebody? Or you're watering yourself down or filtering what you say so that certain people in your audience who aren't ideal clients, don't judge you. So those are just some signs and symptoms that you might not have clarity around who your ideal client is. Now, let's contrast that with when you do know who your ideal client is, here are some things that you can expect. You never run out of relevant things to write or talk about in your marketing. It's an endless well of content. You know your ideal client inside and out. You know their thoughts Their feelings, the actions that they take or don't take, where they spend time. You know how they talk about their problem. You know what they say to their friends over dinner about their problem, but you also know what they're thinking in their head, but not willing to say out loud and share with their friends. You know the inside jokes or the references that would only make sense or resonate with your ideal client. You're confident that your content is valuable and will help your ideal client, and you are just Compelled to put that out there. When a friend at a party or a family member at a family gathering asks you what you do and who you work with, you can speak really confidently and clearly about who it is that you help, and they get it immediately. Now, if for some reason you know who your ideal client is, but you're not experiencing things like this, that just means you have the strategy, you've answered the questions. But there's just some mindset work that you need to do, so you should definitely tune in next week and or come and work with me. Now, let's wrap up this episode with two common mistakes or misconceptions about ideal clients, and then some ways for you to increase your clarity on who your ideal client is. Now, this first mistake is pretty straightforward, and it's just not doing the work to identify your ideal client. Honestly, If you do that, that's deciding on purpose to stay in the dark and choosing to sign up for making your life harder than it needs to be. Typically, if this is what your brain on default autopilot mode wants to do is to just not do the work of identifying your ideal client, it's likely because your brain is believing one of the following beliefs or some flavor or variation on it. It's believing that it's too much work, that you don't know how to do it or that you won't be able to do it, or maybe your ideal client doesn't exist, or they do, but they won't pay for it. Again, that would not be an ideal client. Or there aren't enough of them, when in reality, you don't actually need that many to exist in order for you to run a successful business and for you to reach your goals. Now, all of those things are lies, and depending on the perspective that you wanna take, it's either your brain just lying to you to protect you from trying and potentially failing, right, a very normal brain thing to do, or from a spiritual warfare perspective, the enemy really doesn't want you or your business to succeed, and so he's just feeding you these lies and these thoughts and these outs to keep you from doing this work. Now, the second mistake or misconception about ideal clients comes from just a lot of the information that's out there, especially in the entrepreneurial space, and especially, especially In startup circles, from my experience, there tends to be a lot of focus and a lot of talk about demographic information when it comes to target market, customer persona, customer avatar, whatever language it is that's used. There's a lot of talk about demographic information and not a lot of talk about psychographic information. And I want to just explain very briefly what they are. They're pretty straightforward. So demographic information, these are things like Income, biological sex, race, age, geographic location, marital status, number of kids, things that are just facts that you can know about somebody. They can just very quickly fill it out in a survey. Psychographic information has a lot more to do with the way that they think, what's inside of their brain, their attitudes, their beliefs, their thought patterns, and their values. And so it's not that demographics aren't important. But when you're running a service-based business and organically marketing, aka not paying for ads, and if you're still early on and you're still looking to create that first six-figure year in the business, psychographic information just is more important for you at this stage in your business. Now, for people who are approaching that milestone or beyond that milestone, the way that I like to think about it is that if you want to run ads which again, I generally don't recommend until you have a proven consistent track record of bringing clients in organically through the marketing efforts that you're currently doing. The demographic information would be about getting your ad in front of the right people. But the psychographic information is about having compelling marketing copy that actually converts the people who see the ad to buy your thing or hire you or subscribe to your newsletter or podcast or whatever it is, whatever call to action you're looking to drive. And just a quick nugget as to why I generally don't recommend starting to use ads until you have a consistent track record of your organic marketing converting people to clients. It's just because I've seen a lot of people go to ads too soon before they have their messaging dialed in, before they're converting people into clients, and they end up just pouring a lot of money And it wastes a lot of time. And so if all you look at is demographic information and then you get into ads, you're going to be wasting time and money and I don't want that for you. So when it comes to identifying and getting clarity on your ideal client, focus more on psychographic information, thoughts, beliefs, emotions, attitudes, things like that. And I'll give you some specific examples here in a second. So what can you do to increase your clarity on your ideal client? The first thing, it goes without saying, but I'm going to say it anyway. You've got to invite God into this process. We've talked about how if you started a business, it's likely because God has put some desire on your heart to serve a a certain group of people or to serve in a certain way. Many future decisions that you make in your business are going to depend on this question of who do you serve? And God gave you unique skills and experiences and a desire to serve people, I highly encourage you to ask him in prayer for guidance. And then here's the hard part, which we'll talk more about next week. Be ready to obey if he gives you guidance and nudges you in a certain direction, even if it scares you. Now, some other things that you can do to gain more clarity. Many times, ideal clients end up being a past version of you, who you want to help through something that you experienced personally in the past. So if that's the case for you, go back to your past self and think about your experience. Think about your thoughts and feelings that you had before you solved the problem that you help people solve. At the end of the day, when it comes to the ideal client, you want to be able to get into their head. And one of the easiest ways to start gaining a lot of insight very quickly is to bring to mind somebody that you know in real life that you would actually love to work with. And then you want to ask yourself a bunch of questions along the lines of, what is it about that person that makes you really want to work with them? That's going to point you in a really great direction. You can also think about the values that you and the people that you'd love to work with share in common, right? So what's important to you that's also important to the people that you would love to work with? What are the shared values? What are the shared interests? Where do you both spend a lot of your time and then you want to think about how does your ideal client think about their problem what is the future result that they actually want what are the thoughts and feelings and actions that they're taking now before their problem is solved and then what about after the problem is solved what are their new thoughts their new feelings their new results and new actions and then lastly Why do they want to solve this problem in the first place? Again, remember that they want to pay you for your services to help them solve the problem. Why do they care? Why does it deeply matter for them to solve this problem? If you take the time to sit down and write down your answers to these questions, you will have a lot more clarity on who your ideal client is. So whether it's re-listening to it or listening to it and pausing it and jotting down your answers, do whatever it takes to actually apply this. Now, as we wrap up, I want to encourage you, especially if you are somebody that's realizing that you don't have the clarity around your ideal client that you want, the reality is I'm willing to bet that you know more about them than you think. So if your brain is doubting that you can do this or that you know enough to identify your ideal client, I want you to doubt your doubt. I think I got that from Timothy Keller, but I think as humans, we're really good at doubting things, especially ourselves, but we're not very good at doubting our doubts. And so use this as an opportunity to doubt your doubt. You know, it's really interesting when I say that you know more than you think you do. I have some recent evidence as recent as last night that I'll share with you. My wife, Dana, is starting a business, so she just trained this past weekend to become a doula, someone who supports women and couples in their journey of pregnancy and birth. And last night, we were talking about the things that she wants to get clear on before officially starting the business. And as a quick side note, guys, I can't tell you how excited I am as a business coach that my wife is starting a business, and I'm totally nerding out about it, and It's been a a lot of fun since she decided that this was something that she wanted to do. But seriously, I'm super pumped to be able to get to watch this journey of hers to go from this becoming a passion to her turning it into a business and then marketing and bringing in clients. For me, this is just like the coolest thing ever to have somebody else in my household going through this entrepreneurial journey and I get to kind of relive certain parts. It's gonna be different in certain ways. Anyways, we've got two entrepreneurs in the household. I'm no longer the only one proud of that. But last night we were talking about some of the things that she wanted to do before getting her business going. And so, of course, the first thing that she said was that she needs to start a website before taking on any clients. And I just gave her this look and she was like, oh no. Okay. I guess not. I told her you don't need one. You can build one if you want, but it's certainly not necessary. And it's definitely not necessary to get started. And so the next thing that she brought up was actually this question that we've been talking about today of Who's the ideal client? Who does she want to work with? Now, Dana has never started a business before. And so this is something that's totally new to her. But for 45 minutes, I basically ran her through the process that I go through with my clients who want more clarity on who their ideal client is. And by the end of it, not only did she have a really clear picture of who she wants to work with, but she also walked away with her first six months probably of content and marketing material to use along with everything that will go on her website when she creates that one day. And again, she has no prior business experience, no experience identifying an ideal client. She didn't even know that language until I started talking about it because of what I do. And so I share that to say, be encouraged. You know more than you think. After the questions, who are you becoming and what results do you want to create? This question of who do you serve? Who is your ideal client? is the next question that I help my clients answer. And I'm gonna share my story next week about the process that I took to find out who my ideal client is. And let me tell you, I took the long way around. It literally took me 10 months and I'm not exaggerating. I don't want that for you. What took me 10 months, I helped Dana do in 45 minutes and I've helped dozens of clients do in just a session or two. So not only is it possible, but it can also happen very quickly. Now, if you want a client roster full of people that you love working with, you need to know who your ideal clients are. And if you want to accelerate that process and to get that clarity quickly so you can get to the part where you're serving them and you're serving people who you really enjoy working with, book a console at the link in the show notes. It doesn't have to take weeks. It doesn't have to take months to figure it out. Next week, we're diving into what to do once you know who your ideal client is. So how does this affect your marketing? How does it affect how you think and operate and make business decisions? If you aren't already, subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss next week's episode or anyone after that. Thanks for joining this week and I will see you next Tuesday for part two of this series on ideal clients.